0: Hello and welcome to the Campaign Overboard edition of Political Traction. I'm your host, Amanda Galbraith. It's the end of week two of the election, and all signs point to a liberal campaign that has gone off the rails. From messaging missteps to disjointed announcements and ministerial gaffes, Basically, if Prime Minister Trudeau walked on water, we'd probably say he can't swim. And while the polls are slipping, and they certainly need to right the ship, some Liberal insiders are saying not so fast. There's a lot of time and campaign left. We found one such insider for today's show. Bob Richardson is a public affairs advisor and former Ontario Liberal Chief of Staff. He's also been the brains behind more than one campaign and leadership run. Three weeks is an eternity in politics but will the Liberals use it wisely? This is Political Traction. This week we have a friend of the pod and also uh, an all seeing, all knowing expert on things campaigns and liberal. I worked with uh, Mr. Bob Richardson uh, on a few campaigns, but most importantly, mayoral campaigns where he was, uh, I think, a balanced and guiding wisdom during, uh, times of strife and someone you could deploy when you needed to sort of, um, you know, beat the candidate into submission to a certain extent. So, uh <laughs> Bob, thank you for coming on the podcast, uh, given week two of the liberal campaign. I thought you'd be the perfect person, uh, to talk to today.
1: Hello, Amanda.
0: <laughs> um, so, you know, we've seen reports Chicken Little, the sky is falling, the liberal campaign is off the rails. Uh, we recording this on Friday. Um, you know, the prime minister has just broken the glass case of picking up uh Premier uh Doug Ford and swinging him around by the suspelt loops. Uh, you know, so I think we're it seems like optically at least that um, you know, the house is on fire and they're saving the furniture. I we talked earlier this week where you don't quite believe that take and I would love you to take. Um, our listeners through sort of how you see uh, this campaign unfolding and particularly where you see the liberal campaign is at their missteps and where they have sort of performed better than I think they're being uh,
1: praised for. Sure. Happy, uh, happy to do that. Uh, One of the things I would say, let's provide some context about where we're at right now. I think most of the polls show the liberals and the conservatives tied or within the margin of error. Uh, Let's remember that's where we ended up in the last election when the liberals you know, got 40 more seats than they did. So, uh, so you know, uh, I think it's important to recall that. Um, the numbers that Mr. O'Toole has today are roughly around what the vote that Mr. Shear got last time. So he hasn't sort of been crashing through that glass ceiling yet either. He certainly has improved and I think has done quite a good job for himself and his party in the last two weeks. But again, they're not spectacular numbers. Um, the Prime Minister's uh, image uh, or approval numbers are actually ahead of where they were uh, in 2019 at this time in the campaign, uh, despite taking, I, I think, a pretty good beating, both from his opponents and from, uh, from some folks in the media. So I think, you know, is, is, uh, is the House on fire? Are they trying to save the finish, uh, furniture? Is everything uh, off track? The answer is no, it is not. Um, has it been an easy campaign? No, it hasn't. It's been bumpy for these guys. And I would argue that their main opponent so far has been themselves. Uh, they failed on uh, opening day to have a real clear answer to the question why. And they've done a couple of campaign tactics or said things that have not been helpful. Uh, the she nonsense. Uh, then there was, you know, the healthcare care video. Um, there are some very good points that they have to make there, but, but, uh, but uh, the way they handled it, they sort of sat on themselves and stepped on their own message for two days. And then they brought out Marianne Monsev. What disciplined, well-organized campaign <laughs> puts Marianne Monsev front and center? This is not the best performer on Parliament Hill in the last six years. That's just ridiculous. So it's felt a bit phoned in. It's felt a little bit like they're running the the 2019 campaign in 2021. Uh, So there's room for improvement uh, to make things better. Um, That being said, they've got some pretty good bones uh, and some pretty good structure. They're very strong on the ground. Strongest party across the country on the ground. They've got very good candidates and they've done put a premium on that much better than most of the other parties. They've got some clear policy choices. They've got put out some decent policy on health, housing, seniors, uh, on child care. Um, those are all good things. Um, they've got good opportunity to go at the Conservatives, I think, on the environment and gun control. So there's lots there to use, but these guys need to knit it together and put it into a cohesive message. They haven't done that to date, uh, but they've got a lot of time uh, to still be able to do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's tons of stuff I want to pick up on in there. Um, but one particular thing that struck me is it just feels like, every, well, either every time they start to gain traction on an issue, they either like step on themselves. So it's the, you know, the Twitter, um, you know, Freeland. Well, I'm not going to blame her explicitly, but it's her tweet, I guess. That's the war room um, getting, you know, labeled as misinformation or whatever they, they called it. Um, it's Marianne Montef, um, you know, calling the Taliban brothers. Um, but it's like, every time they get somewhere, they just seem to like step on their own, you know, I won't use the term I usually <laughs> say, but step yeah. on their own something, uh, that rhymes with stick, um, versus, yeah. uh, and then there's that, or they seem to get traction and they just move off of it. Like, I actually felt like, like the healthcare thing, you know, like bluntly was, a, was a fuck up right around the video, but they doubled down on it. It still felt like they were, some, they were getting in there a little bit, like they were making some moves and then they just switched off to something like it was housing or whatever. Like, what do you make of, it feels a bit like they're lurching from major announcement to major announcement well, and there hasn't been a narrative there. Like, I think that's been a problem for me. I can't keep track and I do this for a living.
1: Well, I think I welcome to being in government for six years. I think they've been governmentized <laughs> and they need to be campaignized. Uh, and, and I think they haven't quite made that tra- uh, they haven't quite made that transition yet. And I, I think there's an opportunity to do that, but they're not, their comms don't seem as modern as the conservative party is. I think that studio they're running in Ottawa is brilliant. And I think it's, it's proving it's, its weight in gold. Uh, Trudeau, a very good campaigner, was out seeing an excellent candidate for, uh, Liberals are running in Surrey uh, a couple of days ago in British Columbia. The only thing I remember is people were screaming at him and he's walking down the street to get in a bus. You know, like uh, there's a much more controlled message on the conservative side than there is on the liberal side. And we seem to be kind of taking an old approach to our communications. Um, And there's three weeks to go. So there's lots of opportunity to fix that as a problem. But there's obviously paid hecklers out Every time the prime minister comes out, he, they can expect that. So mm-hmm. organize your campaign accordingly. And, you know, if, if you've got to do more indoor stuff or if you've got to do use technology more, do it. Um, uh, I, I think that just makes sense.
0: It's actually funny you say that because I remember when I worked for the mayor, we had an announcement um, with the prime minister and obviously, this were early days of his mandate, and he yes. he was he was beloved. Um, and like it was insane in City Hall. Like every time I op- I was opening the doors because they were coming out the door that I was coming. Um, and like literally the whole crowd, as soon as I cracked the door, would be like, Oh, and then I would step through and they'd be like, Oh, and I'm like, you know, <laughs> come on, I'm not that bad. But later on, after I left the office, the PM came back for another announcement, and I'm watching on TV and I'm like, there were hecklers out there, and I was like, Why are they out like Conservatives automatically think defensively. I think because we're used to being heckled and attacked, so we we put our leaders in I think more boxes and they're less free flowing. Whereas I feel like the liberals were so used to being beloved that they're not as as apt to defend or maybe like move indoors or, or set themselves. Like they'll stick him in the middle of a field because he's usually mopped, and they just assume that is going to be the balance.
1: Of, yeah, of I, I I think that's 2015 2019 thinking. They've yeah. been in office for six years. If you haven't been in office and offended a few people in six years, you haven't done your job. Uh so you know I think uh the crowds are not going to be as friendly for him and they wouldn't be for anyone else who's in yeah. that sort of position. And I think you need to adapt your campaign accordingly.
0: For sure. And I want to pick up on one more piece about mastery I want to pick your brain on, then I want to get into kind of path to victory. So you mentioned the conservatives studio, um, which was kind of people were making fun of it like behind the scenes uh in the beginning. I was always kind of like, we'll see what they do with it, because to me. I think the ability to put out messaging, um, like quickly on your own, making it look good, like makes sense to do that investment. A lot of the media that I talked to, that's been kind of on the, like they call them, we call them on the bus, but even where they're sitting in Ottawa or they're traveling on the plane or the buses or, or whatever, we're complaining in early days. There's not a lot of video, like there's no visuals, right? So they, when they're stacking it against the liberal tour, there's more visuals there and the studio doesn't, give them that. That being said, I think it has, again, allowed for a more disciplined approach. I think O'Toole has had, it's sort of like watching an athlete, right? He's practiced a bunch in the studio. And I think he's more comfortable in front of the camera. And then last night we saw this Afghanistan video, which came out and he didn't mention Trudeau once. Um, He sounded, you know, like he had some criticisms, but they weren't like sharply partisan. It was more of a, we can do better as a country. And we owe it to them. Like, it struck me as like, I don't say this lightly, but like prime ministerial, and it also struck me as like, I would have liked to hear that from my prime minister, not the opposition leader. Um, I, to me, that's a success of that tool. Uh, what did you make of, what have you made of the studio itself and sort of the role, particularly of that video last night and the response it got?
1: Well, I think, I think the uh, studio has obviously been a success. I mean, let's face it. You know, if I was scoring week one and week two, I'd give both weeks to the uh, O'Toole campaign. I think it's been smart. It's been well-organized. It's got a modern feel to, to it. Uh, people say, oh, it's low risk. He's not meeting Canadians. Good. Um, <laughs> he's getting his message out. Who, you know, like, who cares? Uh, this is a smart tactic. And he's getting his message out. And they're using telephone town halls, those sort of things do as well. So it strikes me as it's a smart, modern, good political campaign. Um, I think O'Toole, and I, I've been saying this for months, actually, is a good communicator. And if you followed his page and if you saw stuff, you could see him getting better and better and more comfortable. And they clearly did a lot of work with him so that when times happen, like the Afghan thing, he's, you know, he, he's ready to hit the ball. And, and I thought he did a good job with that, uh, with that video. And he did look prime ministerial and, uh, and I, and again, the liberal campaign, um, should have, um, anticipated this. We knew this was coming. Um, and they should have a better thought through I thought how to handle the Afghan issue.
0: Yeah. And I mean, they had Sergeant out, um, on Kathleen and the interview was just like, it was painful. Like, I don't even say that lightly. Like I'm sure he's a nice man who, you know, but whoa, like, to me it yeah. just struck me as bizarre um but enough of the ritualistic beating of the liberal <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, you know all this is fine we're two weeks in uh three weeks in a campaign is forever um you know yeah. in 20- 2004 when i was in the conservative war room as a little tiny tory um we were in a very similar position and it was all excitement and harper was gonna be prime minister and we had paul martin on the ropes And then they came back and like beat the bloody hell out of us over three weeks and we still did okay we got 99 seats which back then there was less seats in the House of Commons, but uh, still like we did not win. Um, Now, the path to victory for the Prime Minister I think remains a lot easier than the path to victory for Aaron O'Toole. Um, So why don't you take us through kind of your calculation? Because I know you sort of crunch some of these numbers.
1: Yeah, I, I, the liberal vote is very efficient, and uh, and and they've and, and they also are running good candidates in all of those ridings, which probably adds four, five, seven points in some cases. So that's that's all good. The liberals need to come out of the Atlantic with twenty seats. I think that's entirely doable. It could be as many as twenty-five uh, in Quebec. Uh, I think they have 30 now. They have an opportunity to go up by as many as 10 in Quebec. Uh, The Quebec campaign is different than the rest of the campaign nationally. Mm -hmm. Uh, The bloc is much weaker this time, it it appears. And and none of the other leaders are really in the game uh, in in a major way. Uh, The Conservatives would do well to hold their seats. They may in fact lose two or three. Uh, Ontario is where the great Kahuna is. And... uh, and we'll see what happens. But again, you know, if you take the 416905, there's 55 seats here. Um, The Conservatives really aren't running any particularly great candidates. You know, like where's the mayor or the head of the Chamber of Commerce or the president of the hospital or so on and so forth. They're kind of in a seat like Markham Stouffville. They're running a 21 year old kid. That's the seat that they held during the Harper government. So, you know, could they win it on a wave? They may very well win it on a wave, but it doesn't look like it's serious or they're, or or, or as organized on the ground as they can. So the liberals, I think, will hold the bulk of their seats. Uh, they may pick up a few in, uh, in Ontario. They may pick up a few in uh, Winnipeg, nothing in Saskatchewan. Surprisingly, there's four or five seats in play in Edmonton and Calgary in uh, in uh in alberta we'll see if that happens the liberals have 11 seats in bc could possibly pick up another three or four so when you do the math they kind of come in around 150 to 160 i still see that holding today um i think when you take a look at the top line numbers sometimes you think that the race is getting away from them but if you take a look at it regionally And you break it down, um, I think uh, they are certainly more competitive, and still are likely to form a government. I think a majority, and I said this two months before the election call, is really tough to get to for any party. Um, And and the Liberals fight like a three front war, and it's particularly uh, tough when you're doing that. So I I still think you know if an election was held today and the vote and the ballot came in. Uh, I still think that they would form uh, a relatively strong minority government.
0: See all that, Bob, I'm just going to write that down and copy it so I can repeat and sound as smart as you did when you went. Through that Jeez,
1: that was great. Flattery will get you everywhere.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned the seats in play in Edmonton and Calgary, which is, you know, I think Alberta itself and watching the transformation of that province politically is really interesting. Um, and I've been talking to some NDP folks who feel they actually, I don't know if they're, you know, blustering, but they feel competitive there. Cause they've got more of a machine on the ground because of Notley, because of sort of urbanization of, of those cities. Um, so I guess a bigger question is what do you make of, of the NDP campaign and in, in Jagmeet Singh? Uh, you know, to me, he looks. He looks more comfortable than last time i think you know people just kind of generally like the ndp because they're benign and they don't think they'll ever win government um and tax the crap out of all of us like they say they would but uh he also you know doesn't face any infighting he faced last time um they have money in the bank they're actually running real ads uh which is not something they normally do so do you think they're a bigger threat to the liberals than expected or, and do we think that they're going to, his numbers aren't really moving yet. Like there's a little bit, but not very much. Do we think they're going to start to get some traction?
1: I think the conservative threat to liberals helps suppress the NDP vote. So I think in, 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 so I think he's, he's fighting that too as well. Look, I think he is, uh, comfortable in his, uh, you know, in his own skin. Uh, I think he is loose. Uh, he's a personable guy. I've had an opportunity to meet him once or twice. And I, I have to say, I liked him. Uh, and I think he performs well sort of out on the campaign trail. That being said, you know, if he's a car, uh, let's just check under the hood here and they're competitive. And I'll be generous here in two or three seats in the Atlantic. They're competitive in two out of 75 seats in Quebec. In Ontario, they might be competitive in 10 to 15 seats, maybe 15 seats, uh, you know, a, a, couple of, a couple in Manitoba, a couple in Saskatchewan. They are competitive in some seats in Edmonton, and I think they're going to take some seats in Edmonton, and they're competitive in British Columbia, uh, but again, um, their vote is not that efficient there, And and where it is, they're already winning those seats, so... Is there a major breakthrough out there for Mr. Singh this time? I don't see it. Um, And part of the reason I'm saying that is he's not a serious political leader. Uh, Mm -hmm. Jack Layton is serious. Tom will care for all his faults was serious. They went out and did the hard work of recruiting good candidates, making sure that there was organization in, in place, doing the stuff that you needed to do. This guy's been doing TikTok videos. And you know what? It's times like this when it starts to show. Um, you're not a serious national leader or or national candidate when you're competitive in two out of seven, eight, five seats in Quebec, even here in the greater Toronto area, 416, 905, I will be super generous and say he's competitive in six seats. I personally believe it's probably two uh, and, and that's it. So uh, I think he's getting a huge pass from the media um, and uh, they aren't giving him some of the scrutiny he needs. But I really believe he did not do the homework he needed to do to be a serious contender.
0: So as we look forward, um, as someone who has chaired major campaigns, um, you know, run campaigns, all kinds of things, if you're in the liberal war room right now, uh, what what would you be doing and what do you think they're doing?
1: Well, first of all, take a deep breath. There's three weeks to go. And look, there's room for there's rooms for improvement on comms. Um, they they need to be running a much more disciplined campaign than they have been running. Uh, the Marion Monson thing, I'm sorry to bring it up again, but it drives me crazy. You know, like she literally stomped on the prime minister's message for two days um, as a result of doing that. So this use letting, you know, a thousand flowers bloom and letting people do different statements all needs to go away. I think they need to take a real look at their tour for the last uh, three weeks, particularly the last 10 days. Uh, They can't run the tour they did last time. Um, There's just the, the protesters and the heckling. Uh, and uh, the logistics around all that and the tension that that creates for you too. It's hard to be having fun and loose when, when you have that sort of stuff going on. So I think they need to take a very good look at what they're doing for their last 10 days. And I think finally the, on, on the debates, the prime minister's got a great opportunity to differentiate himself and be the voice of progressives. That's what I think he needs to do in the, in the debate. Um, You know, if you're for public health care, if you want to see housing uh, handled properly, you know, support for seniors, environment, uh, you know, if you're for gun control, I'm your guy. That's the sort of thing that he needs to be doing and really making himself uh, the voice for progressives.
0: All right. Well, hopefully, if they if hopefully they hear it, I imagine there's some sort of scrawling are we doing? But yeah, I think there's. Probably the deep breath is the most important thing at this point. Well, Bob, uh, thank you for your uh, take um, and your level head about this thing. Because I think uh, it's easy to get carried away by, you know, love the paper, but front page Toronto Star stories about, you know, liberals, candidates saying, you know, this is not good and we need a reset. And I think the, you know, how the seats make up and how things before is an important take. So appreciate
1: uh, appreciate coming on uh, the pod. Thank you, Amanda. And I say the best thing to do is stay off Twitter. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> if I was, if I was a campaign, if I had a can, if I was a campaign manager, I would delete Twitter from their phone. I'd be like, yeah, "This is exactly. necessary. You do not need to be on this."
1: Yeah, hundred percent.
0: All right. Have a wonderful weekend, Mr. Richardson.
1: Thanks, Amanda. Good to talk to you.
0: Thanks, Bob. Political traction is powered by Navigator, Canada's leading high stakes public affairs firm. Our show was produced by Simon Bredden, John Gardner, Kimberly Draypack, and Carolyn Svonkin. A very special thank you goes out to this week's guest, Bob Richardson. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to tell your friends about Navigator's Election Center. You can also follow us on Twitter at Traction Poly. I'm your host, Amanda Galbraith. We'll see you next Friday.